This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me as Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. On today's pod, we're going to talk about the 15th week of the NHL season. We're past the halfway point now, partner. As always, our aim is to identify the most added and dropped players, as well as the new roster opportunities and storylines around each team. I've fled the slowy climate of the Toronto area, folks, in favor of the sunny climate of Florida. That's where today's podcast is coming from, at least from my end, but uh, my partner is still surrounded by snow, so I won't chime about that too, too much. <laughs> I can report uh, so that uh, support for the local hockey team down here in the Tampa area is very high, AJ. That's great to see in what's not immediately considered a non-traditional hockey market. A winning product will do that for you, such is the lot uh, of an avid sports fan, though. Uh, let's welcome AJ back into this show. And, uh, partner, what have you got to say for yourself today? Well, I'm, I'm going to start with a quick, uh, quick funny story for our listeners here. So, as they've all heard over the weeks, I'm continuing to raise support uh, as part of my 50-kilometer cross-country ski race, the American Berkabiner Raising Funds. Uh, versus ALS or, or Lou Gehrig's disease. And so, Paul, as as your gracious, uh, my gracious co-host, you donated to my cause, and for that I really appreciate it. But I, the funny story is I, I get the, the notification about the fact that you donated, and the, the dollar amount came through with, like, some change on the end. And so I spend, you know, about five minutes trying to figure out, well, is he trying to, you know, is it a certain amount for – you know, it was at 87 cents for Sidney Crosby or, or something like this until I realized that the, the cents probably had to do with the conversion rate right. from the Canadian uh, loony <laughs> to the U.S. dollar. So just a kind of funny antidote there. Uh, but again, I want to thank you, Paul, for donating and, and really want to encourage our listeners to, to donate as well. Uh, the link is pinned to my Twitter account. Uh, it's right there. It takes, you know, just a minute or two to donate. It's really a great cause, and, and I could use all the support. I've been getting out uh, skiing, uh, doing some training runs, and 50 kilometers is going to be uh, a pretty hefty mark to hit, so I'm going to need all the support and backing that I can. Before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer 
those questions. You also, Paul has been putting out a bunch of lineups lately. You can check out his Twitter handle at statsman 22. You can see those lineups and you can also check out anything I put out there as well at AJ Scholes 24. So, uh, some great resources, get some questions answered, get some free lineup advice. Uh, definitely a place to go. So, Paul, I'll kick it over to you as we go through the rest of the show. All right, and I think it's kind of neat that I started to put out these lineups, AJ, and uh, one of the first two won. The, the, both of them should have won, but the first time I did it was on Saturday when uh, San Jose's goalie got shelled by Arizona, <laughs> of all teams. Other, if that just was a normal output, I would have been way in the money in that one, too. But I think it's important for our listeners to know that we play, we, we put our money where our mouth is regularly, and we're going to share our, our successes. I'm sure there's going to be more successes than failures between us with our listeners just to pump up our listenership and followers on the Twitter and other social media. We are good folks, and we get it right more often than not. Uh, let's go through the 31 teams and pick out a storyline or two where we'll highlight a number of circumstances that evolved, just as we said they would among other stories that come out every week. We'll also point out there are more than a few teams that will be on their league-mandated bye weeks. In fact, there are 12 clubs that are affected either coming out of it or going into it this week, and, and that will continue through the rest of this month. So keep an eye on the daily lineups and make sure your players are actually playing and scheduled to go, and maybe load up on teams that have multiple games in your, if you're playing week-to-week. Uh, series. We'll try and help you out in that regard. We'll begin, as always, with the Anaheim Ducks. Look at uh, John Gibson got the night off yesterday, or the day off yesterday, but for Anaheim, this guy's putting together a really good stretch in goal, AJ, with only 13 goals against in his last starts behind a lineup that's as healthy as it's been all season. We told our listeners to watch out for this club, and they're delivering the goods right now, except for a bit of a blip yesterday. It was very unusual and kind of sad that Andrew Cogliano's career-long Ironman streak uh, will end at 830 games. It's the longest active one, too. It's due to a two-game suspension he received last week, and I watched an interview with this guy, and uh, he's a local product, lives, uh, comes from not too far away from where I live, actually, AJ, and I really felt for him this was a tough way to lose that streak, but it's one of the longest in history, and he can take comfort in, in putting that together, and Starts a new one when he gets back, I guess. Uh, in other news there, Josh Manson uh, has come out of the shadows of some other really good defensemen in this mix and finds himself on pace for a 40-point season. That's something that we called for the beginning of the year to watch this guy, and he's also delivering the goods, but uh, it took him a while to get going, so a bit of a surprise to me that he finally got on track, but here we are, and there he is. Yeah, and they actually added uh, a fresh face as well. Uh, you know, Paul, as you said, we like to highlight new opportunities, new places. JT Brown, they brought him, uh, claimed him off waivers. He's coming over from from Tampa Bay. And really, you know, his, his numbers weren't great with Tampa Bay. Uh, just four points in 24 games this year, but he isn't getting the opportunities there. He was really behind a backlog of players. Uh, the Tampa Bay system has a ton of depth right now. And so I think with, you know, with increased opportunity uh, potentially here in Anaheim, I think he'll find himself in the lineup more often than not, which wasn't really the case in Tampa Bay. Uh, He's got the one game he played for him last night, got an assist already. So one for one uh, point for a game. Now, obviously, I don't think that'll continue, um, but a good player maybe to target as he'll probably see a little bit of an increased role, still be bottom six, uh, but definitely will get more opportunities than he was in, in Tampa now that he's, uh, you know, found 
uh, a new home. And in Arizona, they've made a couple of claims recently, and that seems to be the, the name of the game for some of the lesser-ranked teams. Even maybe some of the higher ones will take a shot on other guys. We'll go through a few of them today. But in Arizona, Josh Archibald was picked up from Pittsburgh and now has a chance at a regular shift that he wasn't going to get in Pitt. And he's making the most of that opportunity with three goals and one helper in his last seven games, albeit in a third-line role. They've also picked up Freddie Hamilton from Calgary, and I'm sure he's hoping to get a look at some point on the wings here, too. He, again, was, was in and out of the mix and mostly in the press box for Calgary. So that's what the rest of the season is here in Arizona. Look for the guys that they are giving these auditions to because they're going to want to take a real good look at them, and Archibald's an indicator of just what might happen if somebody catches fire that you might not have expected. Well, and then they also made the trade, bringing in Richard Panic, uh, you know, in that flop uh, or flip for Anthony Duclair. Uh, I do ultimately think Arizona probably got the better of this end. I think the the other pieces are what's going to make it, uh, you know, decided. Uh, Laurent Dauphin is going to be a little bit of a better option than Adam Clendenning, who went the other way. Clendenning's kind of turned into a journeyman. So uh, I, I think Arizona is going to win this one long term. Panic has not really lived up to expectations this year. He had that 44 point campaign, uh, played all 82 games for Chicago last year, just 16 points to start the year. Um, but he'll get top line minutes. Uh, he was finding himself actually out of the lineup periodically in Chicago. Uh, we've seen this before guys get on the outs with coach Joel Quinville and it just isn't going to work there anymore. So a new home for him. I think it should be uh, a, a good thing for him long-term and he'll take on a major role, uh, for Arizona moving forward. And the Boston Bruins continue a hot streak. This is not a recording, folks. They're 9-0-4 in the <laughs> last 13 games. That's a long stretch without a, a loss in regulation. The pairing of Zdeno Chara and McAvoy on defense. Charlie McAvoy is at peak level of late, uh, pitting one youngster and one oldster. But both are playing the most minutes they've seen all season long, and their scoring pace is also up. So take a look at one of those guys if you need help on the blue line. Up front, Jake DeBrusque is putting together a nice rookie season, scoring four points in his last three games with a very good shot on goal rate of between at least two to three in each of the last six games. So pretty good daily uh, fantasy sport uh, fantasy sport tools if you're playing the hockey side of things there. This team should get lots of credit for the transition from an older club to one that has done a seamless makeover, which now features a lot of good young talent, AJ. They've got things really rolling along, and they didn't have to go drop 10 places in the standings to pull it off. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. And to your point, you look at their their top five, even top six in scoring right now, and you've got your usual mainstays, Brad Marchand leading uh, with 41 points, and Patrice Bergeron is third with 31. But you add that youth in, you've got David Pasternak with 39 points, Danton Heinen with 31, Charlie McAvoy with 24, and then Jake DeBrusque as the sixth with 23. So really, uh, four of those top six guys, all youngsters, all uh, kind of what you would call the retool guys and really clicking well with Marchant and Bergeron, especially that top line, Marchant, Pasternak, Bergeron, all over 30 points already this season. Uh, those guys should probably be considered locks for 60 potentially. Uh, and so everything working well for this team, it is to your point, Paul, not often that you see a club that can really retool with some young talent without having to go through those down seasons. So credit to the front office there in Boston. They certainly can't say that in Buffalo. Uh, this team's in the middle of a dismal season, AJ, and uh, one bright light may have emerged from out of nowhere last week when Linus Olmark 
made his outstanding debut, turning aside 44 of 45 shots in a win over Columbus of all teams, and has given team management something to think about as both other goalies here are in the final years of their current contracts. Of course, we've talked about Robin Leonard as a restricted free agent and uh, Chad Johnson as a pending UFA. Olmark has one more year uh, left on an on a entry-level type deal. He, he only cost them 750000 so you've got to figure he might be into the mix and one of these other two guys will play, be playing elsewhere. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Probably Leonard is the guy that's going to attract a lot of interest, but he's an RFA, so we'll wonder and see if, if that factors into the equation here or not. Up front, Evander Kane, of course, scoring at a career pace. We've talked about him quite a bit. He's definitely not going to be on the Buffalo Sabres next year. Let's put that out there, AJ. They'll be trading this pending UFA soon, I do believe. Yeah, and another player that might be making an, an argument to potentially get traded is Kyle Oposo. He's got five points in the last two games. For much of the season, his production's been down, hasn't really been impressive, in, in my opinion, and that has been reflected in where he's been in the lineup. He's slotted every, everywhere from the third to the top line. Currently getting that top line look right now with Bennett Pouliot and Jack Eichel, although one could make an argument that Kane, O'Reilly, and Pominville is more of the top line here. And Eichel, you know, the Eichel line is the top line as a formality. Um, but your point about the goaltending is key as well. And I think it was telling that last year they just gave uh, Robin Lerner the one-year $4 million deal uh, for this season, kind of a prove-it contract. Right. You know, are we going to stick with you long-term? Can you earn it? I'm not sure that he has a 9-16-6 record so far, just one shutout. His goals against average is nearly three right now. And so Omar performing well could uh, really be an indicator of what they might do in the future, although I think there's a lot more questions than answers right now for Buffalo. And uh, when we get to Calgary, I'm thinking about my one of my own teams in week-to-week play. Sean Monahan missed the Flames last game before the break this week. Uh, with an illness, so he'll be off my books, and I have to, had to adjust my roster accordingly. Of course, I wouldn't drop this guy entirely, so the idea is to bench a player like this and then fill in with the best guy available. So just a point that I'll make in reference to one of my own teams is probably on one of yours out there to a bunch of listeners. Uh, he should be fine when the club plays next Saturday, though, and hopes to continue a hot streak of four goals and six assists in his last six games. So definitely a keeper-type player, obviously, but uh, shelved this week. With a couple of veterans, uh, Versteeg and Forlique, done for the year, I'm looking for Curtis Lazar to finally get a look at the wing position with more ice time than he's been getting uh, in recent weeks. So maybe look for him. This guy has shown me too much in his junior career, and I I like his mental makeup. I'm just thinking the light has to click at some point for him. Maybe it's going to happen now with these other guys on the shelf. Yeah, they're really banged up team right now. Uh, for you know how healthy they've been for much of the season. I mean, in addition to Monahan, you've got Christopher Stieg is uh, <coughs> dealing with you know had to have hip surgery. He's not even going to be reevaluated until uh, January 22nd uh, before they'll even decide if he can start skating. So you have to imagine he's out until probably mid February uh, at best. You've got uh, Michael Frolik is out with the the jaw uh, until at least early February. It looks like. Although he also required surgery. So, you know, what they do there. I think the one thing to key in is some young guys are going to get looks uh, with these guys out. Garrett ha- uh, Garnett Hathaway is one. Matthew Tuchuk's going to be asked to take on a bigger role. Mark Jankowski 
and a couple other guys that they'll call up uh, from the minors. So it might be players you can slot in if you really are in some deeper leagues and need some help there. Uh, very banged up squad right now that even the bye week, other than Sean Monahan, is not really going to help them get healthy. In Carolina, an injury to Derek Ryan has finally opened up the door to Victor Rask move back to a second line situation. AJ, he notched a game-winning goal last week amid five shots on goal that he poured in two games that were played, and so that's a guy that I finally hoping that will latch onto that top six role. Ryan, for his part, was not playing well in advance of this upper body injury, so Rask may get a shot to stay in the top six for a bit as another late season, later season audition for him in a role that I thought he would grab on and hold on to much earlier. On the defensive side, Justin Falk's scoring is down from the last few seasons. We've talked about that, but I'm encouraged for him by the fact that his shots on goal has, rate has risen steadily to over the past uh, to over three, game, three a game in his last six starts. So we're starting to see some more consistency in his offensive game. He also has three points in his last three games. I think he's about ready to show what he's shown in the previous years as he's one of the top scoring defensemen in the NHL. Well, and they're also going to be without Sebastian Ajo, which I think is really going to hurt their chances of, of making a postseason run here. Um, I'm a little surprised that Mark Giordano didn't hear from the league on this one. Uh, need a knee hit. Uh, very, you know, they called it a lower body injury and a concussion on top of that, uh, because of it, I would guess there, you know, we haven't heard anything, but you almost have to wonder if there's not some structural damage to that knee. Uh, they'll hopefully find out more soon and and be able to give us an update on that. But I would expect him to be out long-term, uh, if, if only because of the concussion, I think that alone could keep him sidelined for a while. Uh, this is the type of hit we don't need. These knee on knee hits. I mean, you watch that replay. It's 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 difficult to watch uh, with the direction that Aho's knee goes. Right. Uh, and so I, I'm a little surprised there's nothing there. I think this really really could hurt them. Uh, they also have Brett Pesch on IR as well. Now he's not like a, a fantasy guru here. He's got just nine assists, no goals this year. But it's going to stretch that defense even further, and it's a it's a group that's that we've harped on for much of the year uh, that hasn't lived up to expectations, and so you stretch them even thinner. It's only going to get worse for them, I think. In Chicago, Anton Forsberg has done a fine job stepping in for three of the last four games in goal, allowing a total of five goals against. That's an important contribution since little is known about a timetable for Corey Crawford's upper body injury and a possible return date for their presumptive starter. On defense, Jan Ruta has been in and out of lineup until recently as well when he produced three points in his last four games. At the same time, the club has released Cody Franzen, so Ruta may be considered a viable option in the Hawks' defense particularly on the power play once again. Yeah, I also like the move to call up uh, Thomas Yurko. Now, he hasn't played yet, uh, which I think is a mistake in my opinion. I think he offers enough talent based on what I've seen in the minors, and he has a a pretty good scoring touch, as I said, at least in the minors right now. He hasn't really shown it uh, in the NHL yet. The best evaluation of him, you could say, was the 14-15 season when he was with Detroit. He got into 63 games, put up 18 points there. And and I I really want to see him get a shot in the lineup. I think he can offer a better option than, for say, Lance Buma, who's been filling in on that fourth line. Although I do think his chances got hurt by the trade for Anthony Duclair. Duclair is going to get a look uh, almost every night by Chicago. Uh, It's probably going to be a bottom six role, but he could challenge, uh, especially on the left wing. Ryan Hartman is a guy he could challenge for more 
uh, ice time from. So it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how they use Duclair because clearly panic was on the outs. And so Duclair gives them uh, another viable score uh, in a, in probably a third line role. Yeah. He was maligned for, for behavioral issues, I guess, in his last stop that won't be tolerated in Chicago. So we're going to see the real deal here, whether he's got what it takes to stay in the NHL or not. I hope he accepts the challenge because he's a great talent in Colorado. Carl Soderberg is making a strong bid for more playing time in a second line role. He's, he's collected seven points in his last eight games. He's outperformed other options in the middle while JT Comfer was moved to the IR with an upper body injury and has earned himself a longer look, Soderberg has, in that position. On the blue line, Mark Barbario has earned a heavier workload and has been seeing his shot goal shot on goal rate uh, reach the highest levels of this season over the last 10 games while already achieving career highs in single season points. He's shown flashes of a nice offensive skill set before, but now he's getting a chance to play regularly and it is paying off for him. Well, you can't talk about Colorado right now and not talk about Jonathan Bernier. Uh, six wins in a row, a 1.27 goals against average over that stretch. And this is beating some pretty decent teams. I mean, he kept the Islanders to just one goal. Not a lot of clubs can say that this year. Yeah. Beat Winnipeg, Columbus, Minnesota, Dallas, and Anaheim over this stretch. So he's not. it's not like he's faced uh, some powder puffs here uh, on this run really has stepped in well for Simeon Varlamov, who's on IR uh, with a groin issue, which for goalies, I mean, that's about as bad as it gets, uh, you know, other than perhaps like a concussion uh, groin issues seem to linger more than any other injury for net miners. So when Varlamov is going to get back is a real question mark, but fortunately for Colorado right now, they don't seem to need him. That's correct. In Columbus with all the injuries up front there, you know, the Jackets lean on the remaining cast in a big way. And one of the biggest disappointments has to be, has to be Boone Jenner, who has been a table scorer here in the past. He's pointless in his last seven games, despite averaging three shots on goal per game in that stretch. Still, he finds himself holding on to a second-line role, though bumped from the power play mix. I've kept an eye on my, Nick Felino, as our listeners know. And again, he's thriving now that he's been shifted back to the wing position. He's been back and forth. Every time he goes to center, he goes into a slump. But on the wing now, he's got four points in his last four games, and all is right in his world. Well, all is not right in uh, Sergei Bobrovsky's world right now. And I think this is a fatigue factor. Over the last 20 games, he's appeared in 18 of them. And unsurprisingly, uh, with that much workload, he lost to Buffalo on the road and Vancouver at home. Those are not teams you really need to be losing to on a regular basis. Now, he did beat your Maple Leafs during this stretch and the Florida Panthers, but a heavy workload. He's clearly, in my opinion, showing some signs of fatigue. And you have to question his his away record right now over this 18 game stretch. Just three, six, and two as the road netminder with a, a 3.06 uh, goals against average. But he hasn't been doing much better at home either. Uh, four and three, 2.95. So I, I really think they need to figure out what's going on as far as the backup goaltending situation goes here. Uh, they've been moving Corpusalo up and down, I think, to get him playtime in the minors. But it looks like he could use some playtime in, in the NHL just to you know give Bobrovsky a night off. If they don't figure this out soon, I think they're going to quickly find themselves plummeting from their position in the Metropolitan. They're holding on to second place right now, 
but you've got the Penguins are surging. The Islanders have been good of late. Uh, and so they could very, very soon find themselves on the outside looking in if they don't give that netminder a little rest. In Dallas, Alex Radulov is making sure that the, the stars are in the mix here. He's on a scoring tear again with 10, 10 points in his last seven games and is back on the top line here. So his DFS value is on a high once again. Another guy whose DFS value is soaring is John Klingberg. This guy's on a tear with points in nine of his last 11 games, including three multi-point games from the blue line to bump him up to the 40-point mark in only only 44 games played. That's a remarkable pace for a defenseman. He's headed for career highs in points and shots on goal, having cemented his place among the elite blue liners in the league this season. While he rolls along, I've touted his sidekick, Esselindel, all year long, and now he's on a career-best pace, too, that might see him even reach 35 to 40 points, something that not too many people other than me and you forecast before the season began, but here he is doing it, and he's doing it while also being among the leaders in, in hits and block shots, uh, particularly in the last month. Our listeners should know we don't plan ahead for Paul to talk about all the good and for me to talk about all the bad. <laughs> it just happens that way. Uh, Mark Mathot, you were talking about the good things on the blue line. Mark Mathot is back on injured reserve, had to have another procedure on that knee. Uh, you got into one game, saw 15 minutes of action. Clearly something wasn't working well there. And so he's back on IR. There's no real indication of when they're going to get him back. Now I get, he's not a fantasy stud, but again, this impacts the rest of the lineup and where they slot guys in. Julius Honka uh, is going to continue to get looks uh, on that blue line and has really been the primary uh, replacement for Mathot while he's out. And then I have to just give a little nod. Tyler Sagan gets the overtime winner against Boston. Really had to be kind of a, an extra turn of the knife there to get that against Bruins. Uh, the overtime winner against his former club who basically traded him away for a wish and a prayer. And uh, they didn't get either the wish <laughs> or the prayer on that one. Exactly. In Detroit, I said we'd keep an eye on veteran Mike Green as he's a pending UFA who will be dealt before the trade line, deadline. He's only increasing his value of late with a solid first half. It has four points in his last six games, a 20-plus minute-per-game workload as well. It's been typical of a very fir- good first half. Lower body injuries up front, uh, Abdelkader and Helm, have opened the door for Dominic Turgeon to make his NHL debut. So we're talking about an oldster and a youngster here. He's emerged as a capable scorer in junior with Portland before honing his defensive side of his game in the Grand Rapids AHL factory Detroit has run so successfully forever, it seems. He's been down there for a year and a half and is ready to make the grade. He's a big body guy with a complete game. I say watch this kid. Yeah, one person to watch as a replacement for for Helm and Abdicator while they're out is Anthony Mantha. Uh, He's been uh, firing on all cylinders of late, has uh, five points in his last five games, and that includes a two-point outing in uh, the game over the weekend on Sunday when those guys were out. They're going to be out again tonight. His minutes were 17-13 in that outing, so above his season average, he's going to get more looks there. And so I look for him to continue to kind of have more responsibility. And I think he can step into that role and, and produce on a bigger uh, uh, platform with, with Helm and Abdicator out. So Anthony Mantha, definitely one that I would target, especially tonight. Maybe a little of a sneak preview of my fan, FanDuel lineup. Oh, there we go. In Edmonton, an injury to our Ryan Nugent Hopkins threatens to take Drysaddle from his first line right wing role into a second center role which uh, was a luxury for the Oilers' offense. 
RNH will complete his stint in concussion protocol before the club's next game on Saturday, so we urge you to take a look at him but he, uh, for his status. But he has only had two points and a declining uh, shot on goal rate over the last uh, several games. So this club needs a second scoring line that's pretty capable, and the fact that it's missing in Ashton right now has a lot to do with the center position. If it has not helped carrying veterans like Ryan Strom and Mike Camilleri, who both have contributed next to nothing over the past month as well. So more was expected for a number of the players in their offense, and that is part and parcel of the struggles here in Edmonton. Speaking of more being expected out of certain players, we have to continue to talk about Cam Talbot's struggles this season. Last 10 games, 2-6-1 and one with a 3.88 goals against average, a .887 save percentage. He frankly just has not been good enough. Uh, and his lone wins over that stretch, Anaheim and Vegas, decent wins. Those are, those are tough teams to beat. Uh, and so you have to, you know, give him a little bit of credit, but over that stretch, he's got one, two, three, four, six games where he allowed four or more goals, uh, against, I think you probably could, uh, be in a situation where you might see a little bit more of Al Montoya. Uh, he's got the, the one start, uh, against them or actually a relief appearance against Arizona, uh, made 19 of 19 saves recorded the win in that one. And so uh, I think you're going to see, uh, Al Montoya perhaps take a little bit more of a workload with how poorly Cam Talbot has performed this season. Over in Florida, the Panthers coaching staff says they might, they hope to have Roberto Longo active, uh, in early February. In his absence, James Reimer's save percentage has been among the league leaders at 94% over a string of 13 consecutive games. So while a guy like Rogrovsky hasn't thrived, look at what Reimer's been able to do over the last month. Historically, this has been his pattern to play well with a heavy workload. So I suggest that we can expect him to continue shouldering the load in the absence of Bobby Lou. The case with Radim Verbata up front is quite different, though. He's well off the 50-point pace that he set last year. Hockey's no, one of hockey's nomads. This guy seems to sign a one-year contract everywhere uh, each time a season starts over the last seven or eight years. With 13 points in midseason, though, he has let a lot of owners down in season-long play this year and has finally lost DFS relevance, uh, you can say, for a while now. This is $2.5 million spent on a one-year deal that didn't go the way that Florida hoped it would. He'll be off the books as a pending UFA, and I don't know if he'll be able to string together enough another contract for next season. The end of the road might be here for, like I said, one of hockey's ultimate nomads. Well, one player that uh, is nowhere near the end of the road, Evgeny Dadanoff, has really, you know, he came out of that injury a little slow, uh, kind of struggled, didn't really find the back of the net. Well, he's got two goals, uh, most recently against Calgary prior to that had put up three assists. So that's five points in his last four games, 15 shots on goal over that stretch. So I like that number. That's a decent, uh, percent or uh, number of shots there. And he also got, uh, two of those points came on the power play as well. So things really seem to, he, uh, seems to have shaken off any rust coming out of that injury. He'll definitely shoulder the load. I expect him to continue to play with Huberto and Barkov for one of what could be uh, a top uh, line in in the league. Uh, and they don't drop off too much, in my opinion, even looking at that second line with Jamie McGinn, Vincent Trocek, and Nick Bugstad. It's after that that's really the problem for this team and holding them back, as well as the defense that we've talked about all year. But James Reimer keeps them in it. 
and uh, getting Lou back will only bolster this club. They could be trending in the right direction in the back half of the season. In Los Angeles, I can't believe, quite frankly, that Alex Iafalo is back on the first line here. And But the guy has tallied assists in each of the last two games to kind of uh, get on the plus side of things right away. He struggled mightily the last time he was in this role. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they found stability on the second unit with Pearson and Toffoli thriving while playing together on the wings on that second group. Uh, on the blue line, it's worth noting that Keith Gravel, who was re- recalled recently, has been given the plum assignment as a regular D partner with Drew Doughty. We'll keep an eye on him in this regard. Could be an interesting add if he gets extended minutes and extended playing time with the, one of the better defensemen in hockey here. You also want to keep an eye on Jonathan Quick and kind of figure out what's going on there. Last three games, all losses, gave up three or more goals in each of those contests. Uh, that's a 0.866 save percentage. So his uh, numbers are down. They gave the game last night to Darcy Kemper, I think maybe to give him a rest. And Kemper performed okay, gave up three goals on 32 shots. Uh, probably what you would expect for your backup. Uh, Might have been hoping for a little more offensive support to try and help them out there. But they were going up against San Jose and Martin Jones, who, other than the stinker he put up for you uh, in your lineup, is generally a solid netminder. So what's going on with Jonathan Quick? We definitely want to keep an eye on that. I think it's too soon to say drop him or or dump him. Uh, But if he continues to struggle, you may want to consider moving him. I just think it's a little too soon. There's a lot going on in Minnesota, AJ. I've been in the camp of people waiting for Matt Dumba to realize his high potential. That time has finally come as he's putting together a career-best pace for points, goals, and shots on goal rate that has him trending toward 40 points this season. On the other hand, up front, Nino Niederreiter continues to tease, notching a hat-trick, but otherwise has been pretty quiet over his last 10 games, as now he's expected also to miss the next three games with an injury, too. I have way more faith in uh, Granlund here. He's climbed to within two points of the team's scoring lead despite missing a number of games early on. Been on a real tear of late. Another winger that has been uh, scoring uh, quite uh, quietly, I'll say, uh, but I've noticed him. Charlie Coyle is another top producer who's only been a consistent guy after missing 16 games of the season, but he's back up to 17 minutes per game, playing top six minutes and factoring into much of the offense here of late. One guy not factoring into the offense at all is Joel Erickson. Uh, He looked like everything was going to be crystal and golden for them, had a goal opening night. That's his last goal. He hasn't scored since then, uh, has just five assists to show for it in the 38 games following that opening night tally. His minutes, you can't blame it on ice time. He's still averaging 13.05 over the season. Doesn't get a lot of looks on the power play. That could obviously bolster his numbers a little bit. But you have to imagine if this really continues to drag on much longer, they might consider sending him down to uh, Iowa to give him some additional ice time and a, a top line role. He for sure would be uh, their top line guy for a few games down there. Uh, really highly touted player, uh, you know, heading into, you know, when they took him, didn't only played 15 games last year, uh, had seven points in those outings. So everything seemed to be clicking well, uh, but just has not been able to put it together. And I think a stint in the minors could do him a little good. You know, you said that there weren't too many uh, negative things that were in my analyses of teams. I got to go negative with Montreal, AJ. Oh, surprise, surprise, Paul. You're going (laughs) negative on the Canadians. Well, listen up. Max Pacioretty, rumors are to the point where the captain is almost resigned to saying 
that if it happens, it happens. That's hardly a guy who is sounding defiant and interested in staying put. Ditto for Alex Galchenyuk, who's barely above the 40-point pace as well. In fact, both these guys have 24 points and lead this attack. That's a telling story for an offense that's among the worst in the entire league. Uh, on the other hand, Daniel Carr is an interesting uh, name here for me. He sparked this group with a scoring streak when he was called up in early December, but he's pulled, been pulled down into team-wise scoring funk of late, being blanked in his last five games, and is now back in the bottom six or even the press box from time to time in Montreal. Well, I tried to find some highlights here, and I really couldn't. You know, so Philip, <laughs> <laughs> Philip Deneau, you have to imagine he's going to be out for a while. A very scary situation taking uh, that shot to the head uh, for, off the stick of Zidane Ochara. Uh, you know, you never want to see that. Uh, it's really tough to, tough to watch. But the games do have to go on. Uh, they're going to try and find a replacement. They claimed Logan Shaw off uh off waivers from from Anaheim, but they also lost Andrew Shaw, no relation as far as I know, uh, to IR as well. Uh, and so losing a player like Deneau, there's not really a good way to replace him. I don't imagine he'll be back uh, in the near term here. And so things going from kind of bad to worse, you know, Carey Price even hasn't really been great of late. He gave up five to the Islanders uh, last night, three uh, to Boston the game before, both overtime losses. So I guess, you know, you could say he at least got the team a point there, uh, but it, it's going from bad to worse for this club right now. In Nashville, the Preds provided an update on Philip Forsberg, which suggests that his hand injury will be healed by the start of February, bringing the sniper back into a club that's tre treading water of late, but has seen its scoring drop during the past two weeks. And that's part and parcel of missing him. Uh, Pontus, or should I say pointless, Aberg has been blanked <laughs> in his last eight games despite getting time in the top six role in his place. So that's a telling situation there. In addition, Victor Arvidsson is currently listed as their first-line right-winger, and he snapped out of a lengthy funk for the goal and assist in his last game. Maybe better days are ahead for him. Somebody certainly needs to pick up a slack here when they're missing one of their top snipers for sure. It doesn't help that a lot of their like highly touted youngsters have not really done much lately. Uh, you look at Kevin Fiala, who is having a, a fantastic postseason last year before that broken leg. No points in the last game. You talked about uh, Pontus Aberg. Victor Arvidsson did have two points uh, in their most recent outing, but he uh, sustained some sort of what appeared uh, sounds like a lower body injury at practice. Uh, didn't seem to be able to put a lot of weight on it, so they could be without him potentially. Colton Sissons uh, has kind of filled in uh, with Aberg not doing much. He hasn't scored uh, in you know weeks uh, at this point. Twenty three straight games without a goal right now, just five assists to show for it. So some of these young, highly touted players that are supposed to fill out this lineup, add scoring behind guys like Johansson, Turris, even Benino, really aren't living up to expectations right now and aren't able to carry the load with Philip Forsberg sidelined. AJ, we taped this thing before it goes posted, but I just got a question online, and I want to see how, see how long it takes you to give an answer. Would you do a trade Kevin Shattenkirk for Roman Yossi? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess wait, I, should, I should clarify. If you're the guy getting rid of Shattenkirk and somebody's willing to give you Roman Yossi, 
take that right away, but do not give, do not give up Roman Yossi uh, by any stretch of the imagination. That's that's exactly what I said. Do it ASAP. And then we remind our listeners, we answer questions all day long. So don't be shy about sending them your way. This was an easy one though. And with the New Jersey Devils, Marcus Johansson should not be overlooked just because of only 11 points in 24 games this year. He's back in a groove of late playing upwards of 16 minutes per per game and getting good looks on the power play. He'll be a guy they rely upon going forward, trust me. He's joined a second line with Zajac and Stafford that has loads of experience, which will be a key owing to the greater importance of games for this playoff-bound club. Uh, Youngster Pavel Zaka is one player who hasn't thrived like some of the others and is now pointless in his last five games, now relegated to a lesser third-line role. We will have to change to regroup with uh, lower... We'll have a chance to regroup with uh, lower leverage minutes to hopefully get his game in order here. Well, the club's kind of uh, on a on a downslide right now. They've lost six in a row, and uh, the blame, in my opinion, really falls on Corey Snyder. Uh, you look at his last five outings, all losses, all four or more goals allowed in those contests. Uh, he has been uh, basically abysmal. I'll, I'll just go out and say it. I won't sugarcoat it for him at all. Uh, off to a strong start to the year. You know, this is coming off, uh, this, this slump is coming off. I think we touted him last week. He had won, uh, six, uh, six of seven with the one loss coming in overtime. Well, now he's lost five in a row and only two of those have been overtime losses. He needs to be better. Certainly you could put some blame on the, on the defense for shots allowed. But I mean, even in their most recent game against the flyers, he only faced 25 shots and gave up five goals. It's hard to blame the defense for that one. Uh, you know, I, I can't say I I saw every one of those goals. So obviously they could have put him in bad situations, but gotta be better if they're going to get to the postseason. They're in third right now in the metropolitan, but another club that's slumping uh, with some hotter clubs coming up, it uh, they could certainly just like the Blue Jackets find themselves out of it sooner rather than later if their net minding doesn't improve. And on the island, local product to my neighborhood again, and the Islanders' first pick, first fifth pick overall in the 2014 draft, Michael Dalcoli has finally been given a call up amid a rash of injuries to the forward ranks after Casey Zizekas joined the Walking Wounded last week. For his part, Dalcoli has a scoring pedigree. Back, dating back to junior and is currently plugged into a third line role which I'm happy to see and is ticketed for second line power play minutes he joined <coughs> Tanner Fritz another youngster who was called up a couple of weeks ago to fill some of the voids in, from the infirmary, infirmary the next few weeks will be a key to seeing if the Islanders can stay within striking distance of a postseason berth while waiting for the injured guys to return so I'm glad, kind of glad to see that they give this kid Delcali a shot because I think he can score in this league AJ well, I want to uh, tailor my comments on the Islanders to some of our listeners who might be uh, more of our, our betting listeners, not necessarily, uh, you know, fantasy uh, related. If you're looking for a game to take the over on <laughs> yeah. anytime the Islanders play, you probably should. This club <laughs> continues to be second in the league in goals for at 3.44. And they're now first in the league in goals allowed at 3.62. Now the net minding certainly has something to do with it, but you look at Thomas Grice's numbers for last night, his, he allowed four goals, 
but his save percentage was still 0.929, which isn't all that bad because he faced 56 shots on goal. That's an astronomical number. Uh, I, I would hazard to guess it's one of the highest of the season right now without checking that. Uh, and so if you're looking to bet the over, uh, anytime this club is playing somebody, but especially if they happen to get somebody else, who's a little bit of a shaky net mining situation, take the over with this club. Uh, cause there are goals coming for them and against them. Well, you might see goals against creep up in New York. This club has struggled <coughs> to score. We know, but now has to play without the key defensive cog and Ryan McDonough who missed Sunday's key divisional clash with the Penguins owing to an undisclosed injury. This is a guy, AJ, who plays the most ice time of any skater here, as you know. That leaves the likes of Smith, Holden, Shea, and Shattenkirk as the top two defense pairings. That, doesn't, that won't scare too many people, I don't think. If this injury drags on, Shattenkirk will be the guy whose numbers suffer the most, I think. Well, uh, to your point about that trade and why that was such an easy call, Kevin Shattenkirk, 28 games without a goal, just eight assists over that stretch, a minus seven rating. Uh, now four of those assists have, have come on the power play. So that is one notch in his advantage, but he's got just 28 hits. That's only one per game over that stretch, 39 block shots, uh, right around one and a half, maybe, and 59 shots on goal in 28 games just simply isn't enough. If you're going to give this guy away for a Roman Yossi. Uh, so again, if you're offloading Shattenkirk for Yossi, by all means, take that deal. But uh, with these numbers, I can't imagine why anybody would want to give up Roman Yossi to get Kevin Shattenkirk here. Even even in a, a, a dynasty league, you know, this neither one of these guys, they're about the same age. They're not that far off. Uh, that's such a one sided trade that I had to talk about it a little more here yeah. with the Rangers. Yeah, it is. In Ottawa, there, listen, there must have been a falling out between uh, their captain Carlson and the ownership because the trade rumors and bad vibes are intensifying of late. It also seems that the club is really anxious to cut payroll, readying to move bigger ticket guys elsewhere. The rapid development of defenseman Thomas Shabbat into the top top pairing might accelerate the moving of their captain, in fact. Another, he's been playing very well of late. Another guy who seems to be in the doghouse here is Bobby Ryan, who missed the last game with a hand injury again and may also have lost his grip on a top six role as he's on pace for the lowest shots on goal and goal scoring rate of his career. Yeah. Bobby Ryan and the hand injuries just never seem to end. Uh, I mean, I do feel for the guy there. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. They made the move. I, I think they thought to put themselves in, in playoff contention by bringing in uh, Matthew Shane, now he talks about putting too much pressure on himself and clearly uh, he's gotten over that. He's got six points in the last four games. So he's starting to produce at a level uh, that we're used to, but he's certainly not going to be thrilled about the fact that he, you know, gets traded to Ottawa, makes a big move away from Colorado only to see them start to, you know, potentially think about trading away Carlson because they don't want to lose him. Uh, it's he's going to go from a rebuilding team to a rebuilding team. If they get rid of Eric Carlson, now I get, you don't want to lose him in free agency, but why they can't just pay this guy, whatever he wants. I, I don't understand that. Uh, give him what he thinks he's worth. He's the best player on your team and has been for his entire career. Uh, you know, it's not like losing him is going to improve your, your squad. Even if you trade him away, 
losing a, a blue chip defenseman like that isn't going to help you regardless of what you might get back the other way in my opinion well we, we normally save the rant of the week for the end of the show we've, we've come up with two of them already here AJ. <laughs> we're both in a sour mood it seems here but tell, tell him like it is uh, in philadelphia jordan wheels another young gun whose offense has dried up earlier in the season but uh, he snapped out of that funk with two goals and two helpers in his last four games playing alongside wayne simmons and nolan patrick another youngster who is getting more minutes and has been getting more shots on goal of late too uh, i think uh, patrick's come time will come this guy was second draft pick overall don't forget and uh, but the best news out of philadelphia here is the red hot scoring of couturier who's opened up january with seven goals and two helpers in five games he, he got the role of first-line center early on in the season and really made the most of it with a career-type season emerging for him, but really on fire right now. Well, despite a, a pretty rough stretch uh, in November, the Flyers continue to ride heavily on Brian Elliott, and he's starting to reward them for that confidence. He's played in 26 of the last 28 games. That's a really heavy workload. He's got 12 wins, seven losses, six overtime losses. So, uh, you know, you put those overtime losses with the regulation losses, you're less than 500, uh, but he's got three wins in a row and actually four of the last five games have been wins. So despite, you know, the early struggles in, in November during this long run of playing, he's starting to reward them. Uh, one guy that he seems to be flourishing with the added workload, as opposed to some other netminders we've talked about who are struggling because of it. Now, part of that was because Michael Newverth was out for a little while during this stretch. I think heading into the back half of the schedule, you'll see that workload go down. You'll see Newverth get a few more looks, especially when you consider his most recent outing made uh, 30 of a possible 31 shaves and a win over Buffalo. Uh, but Brian Elliott right now, if you've got him, I would conti- continue to ride him just like the uh, the Flyers have. In Pittsburgh, we get to talk about Patrick Hornquist on a pace for his best season in years, AJ, and he's now enjoying hockey life on the second line with Evgeny Malkin. That's a pretty good spot for him, quietly racking up solid totals on the power play as well. I like the move of Gunsel to center on the third line role with Shiri and Kessel to spread out this offense. I'll have more to say about the latter guy a bit later. Oddly, Ian Cole is one guy who's fallen out of the defensive core mix and is the subject of trade rumors while I thought he's been a good depth piece and a guy that's really served them well in the past. I guess his play has slipped this season too much for the coaching staff's liking, and they've lost confidence in him lately. Yeah, I mean, it, and it says a lot by the fact that they made the move to bring in Jamie Oleksiak uh, during this stretch. Uh, I was a little hesitant about seeing Gunsel move to center. Uh, I thought he does well with Crosby and, and on that top line wing role. But Daniel Sprong and uh, Dominic Simone have stepped up and are slotting in well. Uh, for all of the grief I've given the team lately, they've got four wins in a row. And that's uh, mostly actually thanks to Tristan Jari, who's got three wins in the last four games, uh, actually has uh, four wins in his last five outings. And uh, so he's really stepped in well. Murray is away from the team right now for for a personal issue uh, back home with his family. When he'll be back is a little uncertain. But for now, they're going to continue to ride Tristan Jari, and it seems to be working well for the club. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that going, uh, depending on how long they have to wait for Murray to come back. And uh, before yesterday's strong outing, starting goalie Marty Jones, who we've slagged a bit during the show, he, he's allowed three, at least three goals in nine of his last 12 games, his worst stretch in taking over as the number one guy a couple of years ago, in fact. The Sharks haven't been shy about using Aaron Dell in his absence, 
or whenever he struggled as more than a spot starter, and his numbers in 17 appearances are better than the starter. So keep an eye on the goaltending assignments as they go forward here. But yesterday, maybe Marty Jones did help himself a little bit with picking up a win and a solid effort. Up front for a time, Meyer and LeBlanc had been contributing as top six wingers, but both have dried up in the last five games. Look for this to be an area of trade targeting for San Jose at the deadline. They need to bolster the wing position on the scoring lines here. Well, I think we have to talk about uh, the Paul Martin on waivers uh, situation there. I I understand, uh, you know, he was injured for much of the the season uh, and the goal probably is to move him down to the minors. I think what's going to hurt the the ability of any team to claim him off waivers is that cap hit. It's about 4.85. I think that's going to be a little too much for any team to, you know, take on. But once he clears they can have him, you know, play some tune-up games with uh, the AHL affiliate there, and that might actually boost his trade value. Um, it's it's shocking to think that a player like Paul Martin that they just decided to let him go. I get that some of their younger guys in in Ryan, Demello, uh, Dylan have kind of stepped up, but they really haven't given him a chance with Burns at all this season when he has been healthy and Burns has been so inconsistent. It's a little surprising that, that they didn't at least, you know, try this now that could partially be the fact that over the last six games, Burns has one goal and seven assists. So he's, you know, trying to come around a little bit uh, towards the end of the season, but I'm still a little surprised by this move. I wouldn't be shocked if a team claimed him, but I think that cap hits just going to be too much. I think ultimately they'll move him down to the minors and maybe he'll get traded in, in a couple of days and with uh, the Sharks potentially retaining some of that salary. In St. Louis, Jaden Schwartz has started skating with the big club while he's been on the IR, but he won't go on the road trip this week looking instead like he could be back earlier and unexpected, uh, potentially targeting a January 23rd date at home versus Ottawa. So if you're holding on to him, do so and re- recognize that his return is just around the corner earlier than expected, in fact. On the blue line, uh, Colton Pareko's quietly and quickly approached career highs in scoring for him, uh, while Alex Pietrangelo, the other top D-man, is also on his best pace ever. They're each paired with a solid defensive-minded guys who aren't very good in defensive da- daily fantasy play, but allow these guys to get involved in the rush. So keep an eye on them when you have a chance for DFS fillers. If you want to go high, you definitely go Pietrangelo. If you want to go mid-range, Pareko's a great option. And uh, Hutton in goal has thrived with a larger role uh, because J- uh, Allen has, has now lost an incredible eight of his last nine. I had to do a double take and double check here, AJ. Uh, this team heads into Toronto, and I'm hoping that they put in the, go- the cold goalie tonight. Yeah, the 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 Maple Leafs are not what you uh, not what you want when you're struggling uh, to be the the club that comes to comes to play. Uh, one, one interesting kind of tidbit coming out of their bye week, Ivan Barbashev has really been, uh, performing well of late. He's got five points in the last three games. Now, instead of giving him rest with the rest of the club, they sent him down, uh, to the minors in order to let him keep playing. Now you could look at this as he's got a hot scoring hand right now. We want to keep him rolling. He's a young guy. Keep him playing keep him hot, but you have to wonder if the time time off would have also helped him too. So I'm interested to see how he performs coming out of this break, having not gotten the time off like the rest of the team. In Tampa, the Bolts are faced with their first real big adversity of the season with a leg injury. They'll sideline Victor Hedman, their linchpin of the blue line. He's 
that injury is going to kill a couple of my teams unless they can find, I can find a way to cover up. Sergachev and Strauman are their top two other defensive options, and they're tasked with picking up the slack, maybe even being paired together in his absence is one of the ways they're going to go. So keep an eye on the defensive deployment there. Up front, if guys like Tyler Johnson and others add to their front-line scoring, they've gotten here in the first liners the lightning might simply outscore any of the defensive issues issues going forward i i'm surprised that uh, tyler johnson doesn't get more ink this is a guy when steven samkos has been injured in the past he's been a, a top top scorer and even now he's got points in his last 16 of his last 19 games and a regular guy in, in my consideration for dfs play absolutely that's a great call paul uh he is kind of an underrated player for for some reason um and and i'll include us in that you know we we're touting him here but you know periodically i feel like you know we kind of overlook him like everybody else uh one interesting tidbit with this team right now they've moved chris kunis up to the top line he has one point in the last 16 games an assist uh only 11 shots on goal his ice time is just 11 minutes over that stretch. Now they've, the minutes have been higher over the last three games while he's getting this look on the, on the top line. And I think this speaks more to the rest of the lineup than actually to Chris Kunitz. Uh, he's a role player at this point, you know, he'll, he'll grind for them. He'll get to the front of the net. It's hard to imagine a guy standing in front of the net with Stamkos and Kucherov on the ice can't at least stumble into a point. So I, I you know, it might be an option that way in DFS contests. Certainly in season long, I, I think his numbers are down. Probably going to have one of the worst, if not the worst, productive seasons of his career. He's only got 11 through the first 44. Last year was a drop off with 29, and he might not even hit that. This is a guy that was. Uh, three times over 60 has been over 50 much of his career and uh, definitely a, a steep drop off for Chris Kunitz this season in Toronto. Listen, I've lauded Morgan Riley's play uh, a couple of times, but a couple of bad giveaways have cost his club in the past week. He's handling the puck more than ever and has a bead on uh, career offensive highs, AJ, but may need to be reined in a bit defensively. Babcock, the coach, is a master of that, certainly. I'd also expect his defense partner, a standout defensive specialist this season, to give him some direction there, too, only to benefit this guy who I think is on the fringe of stardom in the NHL. Offensive line deployment continues to make me scratch my head, and the heavy workload for Anderson could be in goal could still become issues for a club that's going sideways of late. Seriously, why is... uh, Komarov with four goals on the season, I think two of them are empty netters, still holding on a second line right wing role while Connor Brown has 10 goals and is playing fourth line minutes. You got to talk me off the ledge here, partner. I don't have an answer for you on that one, Paul. Uh, I, I do think a, a switch might help. Although, you know, you have to say if Connor Brown's making it work in the fourth line, a change might not benefit him. But uh, yeah, Komarov's numbers have been pretty bad. I, I mean, a flip there, I think, makes the most sense. Uh, I don't necessarily suggest switching up uh, JVR, Bozak, and Marner. Those three seem to be working really well together. But, you know, maybe if they don't want Connor Brown on that second line, maybe moving Marner up would, would help. Uh, it, it is kind of a head scratcher there. Uh, we'll see where it plays off. But I wouldn't be too worried about your club, Paul. I think they'll be just fine. Uh, I obviously with Tampa in the division, I don't think they're going to win the Atlantic. Uh, the lightning have just been too good, but they should get back to challenging Boston for at least that second spot, uh, in, in the Atlantic. 
In Vancouver, Daniel Sedin's dealing with a back injury, and the hope is that he'll be ready when the Canucks come off their break on the 20th, so keep an eye on that injury situation. If not, Sven Berchi or Brandon Gauntz will line up in, their, uh, in his absence. Uh, on the defensive side, I've touted Alex Edler as a consistent source with good numbers on the power play for scoring, although he's having a subpar year. He's got five points in his last four games of late and stands out in this defense unit by far. The mo- he's the most productive guy in that back end of late and really a key to their power play as well. Yeah, I think the other key injury here, uh, if they can get him back sooner rather than later, is Bo Horvat. Uh, once he is available, it looks like the end of the month, maybe early February for a return date for him. That's really going to bolster uh, this club. Now, I did not expect them to be as good as they have been. Uh, now I know that's <laughs> saying they're as, as good as they have been for a team that's seventh in their division right now is might seem like a bit of a stretch, but they're not that far off. I mean, yes, they're, they're 11 points behind the Kings, uh, for third in the Pacific, probably too much to overcome to get there. Uh, but if Bo Horvat had been healthy for the entire season, I think they'd be a lot closer and up in contention. So if they could put together a strong run when he gets back, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that they could at least challenge for a playoff spot. And I also have to point out uh, the highly touted trade for Derek Pouliot that seemed to be working right at, at the start there has uh, decidedly failed of late. He's been a healthy scratch in three straight games, uh, seeing what Pittsburgh fans saw for a long time and uh, just not working out for them. I expect uh, this may be his last shot in the NHL. In Las Vegas, the story has been like an interesting book all season long. There's a new chapter written every week, it seems. Shea Theodore, the author of this one, for me, uh, with his scoring spike since mid-December, along with eight points in his last 11 games, he's been putting up lots of shots on goal with almost two per game. That's above his uh, career pace. And it's productivity that edged him into more power play and regular shift time as the season has progressed. And remember early in the season where there was a goalie carousel here? It seemed the goalie was injured every week, and they went through them all. Now they've got stability in Fleury and Subban, and it's just they've been lights out, both of them, since they've had the reins in the nets here. Well, unfortunately, the, they didn't. They just uh, moved the injury bug away from the netminders to the rest of the team. They've got John Merrill and Lucas Pisa both on IR. James Neal is dealing with a, an illness, or, or I believe the coach said a sinus issue. I imagine he's going to play tonight. I understand it's not the first time he'll be back in Nashville. He, he already made that trip once, uh, but they're there tonight. I have to imagine he's motivated. I'd expect him to be in the lineup. Cody Eakin also dealing with an undisclosed ailment, but he's on the trip, could play tonight. We'll see how that shakes out for him. So uh, some some interesting injury news in, in other positions, uh, but so far they seem to be riding it out just like they did uh, when they had that, that goaltending shuffle. In Washington, Devontae Smith-Pelly was a guy that I touted <laughs> as a guy to keep an eye on now that he was in first-line minutes. He's picked up two points in six games, not a lot, but if you want another measure that shows he understands his role here, he has 21 hits in that span, bumping up even his notorious physical play. He's there to create space for the tandem up front and be physical, and that's exactly what he's done, uh, mimicking the role of Tom Wilson, who's also back in a second-line scoring role and doing much the same thing for Kuznetsov and Verana. The Caps are another team that's trying to spread out their scoring with these moves. 
also providing the scorers with an element that most scorers don't bring up to the middle, and that is a high level of physicality. Well, I do want to give a, a tip of the cat here, cap here to Alexander Ovechkin. He's not a player we talk a, a lot about because he always does what we expect him to do. There's not a lot of surprises when he produces. So we try and highlight other guys that are, you know, either playing with him yeah. like DSP, um, but have to talk about him real quick. Five goals, seven assists in the last seven games, 24 shots on goal over that stretch, even dishing out 13 hits uh, as well. So really playing, you know, heavy minutes uh, over this stretch. He's up around 2130 per game. That's well above his 1942 season average power play ice time, of course, is up. And so just have to talk about Alexander Ovechkin real quick. Yes, he's going to carry a high price tag in DFS, but with how hot his stick has been lately, uh, you could certainly make a, a justifiable case for using him just despite the heavy price tag. And finally, in Winnipeg, the Jets have moved things around on their top lines with Lining moving back up to a first-line role alongside Wheeler. The Super Suite has eight points in his last eight games and has brought out the best in Blake Wheeler, in fact, who has four multi-point outings in his last eight games as well. Uh, sure, they're missing Shifley. Everybody knows that. But they enjoy the luxury of even plugging in a guy like Matthew Perot, who has been a steady 40 to 50 point guy. He's normally around their third line, but he's getting top six minutes and doing better in the scoring rate uh, with five points in his last four games. It has him now on a career best scoring pace. With how well Wheeler's been doing at center, you almost have to wonder if they might leave him there uh, once even once Shifley comes back. I mean, you could see Shifley going back to the top line center role. Uh, so maybe you go Kyle Connor, Shifley, and maybe Nikolai Ehlers. Then you put a second line of uh, perhaps Perot, Wheeler, and Line A together. Um, it, it pushes Brian Little down to a third line center role, which uh, would really bolster that position uh, as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they they do with how well he's been uh, he's been doing. Now, certainly the Connor Shifley Wheeler line was phenomenal all season long. So you can't really blame them if they want to go back to that. It's just an interesting question that coach Paul Maurice will have to answer uh, once they get uh, Mark back. And now it's time to give our friends at FanDuel a nod. Uh, they've been strong supporters of us all season long, and the football season's winding down, but there's still contests to be played every week. There's no busted seasons, folks. Something for everyone, and lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. You know what? We have to take a look back at the division playoffs this week and I, weekend, and I'm thrilled that they were, there were some upsets, some neat stories written, because I thought it looked like four automatics here, and I'm pretty happy that I was wrong in a couple of them. The Patriots, sure, they won in a route of Tennessee, no surprise there, but Jacksonville stunning the Steelers, the Eagles barely surviving the Falcons, and then finishing it off with the Vikings shocking the Saints with an incredible finish in that game. Uh, I, I think the road's been paved for another New England Super Bowl, AJ. Everyone who isn't a Pats fan sure hopes uh, that's, that's, not, that's not the case. But I wouldn't bet against them as they've been the most impressive team that played this weekend, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, betting against the Pats may be a recipe for disaster. Uh, but that's not going to stop me from cheering for the Jags. I've got a number of uh, friends and people here at the Rotowire home office that are Jags fans. Uh, and they've been so maligned of late. Uh, you know, looking back at, uh, you know, Blake Bortles was the third in like a string of uh, savior quarterbacks that were going to revive the franchise. 
so to see them doing well, you know, I, I, I can't, uh, can't knock them. And personally, as a Packers fan, the last thing I want to see <laughs> is the Vikings win a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Uh, so I don't even want it to be a possibility. So I'm going to cheer for the Eagles this week. Although watching them lose the Super Bowl in their home stadium, that would be their fifth Super Bowl loss in franchise history might also be somewhat enjoyable. Uh, look, at over two and a half million players have won cash playing on <coughs> FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, we ask you to sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, these contests are void. We're prohibited. Let's get into our FanDuel segment, AJ. Why don't you run through tonight's schedule, please? All right, so we'll start off with St. Louis at Toronto. Uh, you've got the Maple Leafs, minus 140. Freddie Anderson, the expected goalie in that contest. You got New Jersey at the Islanders. Uh, Devils are slightly favored at minus 155. The over-under on this one is six. I'm taking the over for me here. Uh, you got Philadelphia at the Rangers. New York, minus 120 uh, in that contest. You'll get probably Lundqvist against Elliott. That could be an interesting goalie battle to watch. Dallas at Detroit at 7:30. Stars minus 125 in that contest. Uh, then Vegas at Nashville. Uh, the Predators getting the slight edge on that one, a minus 135. That's really probably just boiling down to home ice, as we've talked about. And then your late game tonight, San Jose at Arizona. Probably going to be Aaron Dell tonight as they're coming off a back-to-back. Sharks are minus 155, uh, which, you know, to Paul's point earlier, Dell's been outperforming Martin Jones. So that line might actually be uh, slightly higher than you would have seen uh, if Jones was the starter tonight. You know what? I got to say, I'm surprised that uh, Detroit's not favored in that game. Dallas is playing the second of back to back. So uh, that's one of the games I'll be watching closely. I'm also interested in seeing what the San Jose, Arizona game. It's a rematch of last Saturday, six, five games. It didn't work out. Didn't work out so well for me with the goalie situation there. And then the other one that I'm looking at is Vegas and Nashville, a clash of the top two teams in the Western, two of the top teams in the Western Conference going head to head again. AJ, why don't you give us your roster and your reasons why here? All right. Well, I'm going to start off. I'm going to pay uh, pretty heavily on my centers tonight. I just like both these guys and their matchups, starting with John Tavares with the Islanders, 8,600 tonight, steep price tag. But as I said, the Islanders are scoring goals in all, all their offense start and stops with John Tavares. Now, my other center, Paul highlighted him earlier, Sean Couturier, 7,100 going up against the Rangers who have been down a little of late. Uh, so I expect them to maybe get some goals this night to well as well. So I had to save money, uh, mostly in the, the winger range, although I did hedge a little on D as well. I'll start off with James Van Riemsdyk for 6,000. Uh, I talked about, uh, you know, that line really working well. Van Riemsdyk has goals in each of the last two games. Paul talked about the struggles that, uh, the netminders in St. Louis have been having from there. I'll go Riley Smith with Vegas. Uh, yes, it's on the road in Nashville, uh, but he's been red hot of late three goals, three assists in his last five outings. I expect him to continue rolling. Now I talked about, uh, the New Jersey Islanders being a heavy scoring game. I think Jasper Bratt, this might be just what he needs, uh, to kind of get energized, get going. Now he did score a goal against Philadelphia recently, and I think he'll continue to roll tonight in that contest. And then lastly, 
4,600 for Anthony Mantha, my last guy on this list. I talked about his increased ice time, increased role, and I think he'll do really well uh, for Detroit tonight. On the blue line, I've got Ivan Provorov for Philadelphia, 5,400. He's been solid all season. I like the matchup. And then 4,100, saving some money. Will Butcher, uh, who has shown the ability to produce, and I think the matchup with the Islanders is a perfect one for him to take advantage of. In goal, I am going to go with Aaron Dell, 8,200. So I get to save a good chunk of money that I obviously spent at the center position, uh, but I'm getting a solid net miner with a bad matchup tonight. Yes, they're on the road. Yes, they're coming off the back-to-back, but at the end of the day, they're still playing Arizona. So that's my lineup. Uh, how did yours shake out, Paul? All right, I'm going to go with a couple of mini stocks <laughs> featuring uh, one of the unexpected mini stocks is Detroit. I'm going to go with Henrik Zetterberg up front. Uh, I'm taking in, into fa- in consideration the home game for the Wings. That co- the Stars are on the road. They had an emotional win over Montreal yesterday, but it is the second of back-to-backs. And so Zetterberg's been a consistent scoring source for Detroit, and I'll put him in there for 6,200, a bargain, I think. And up front, uh, to pair him up with Logan Couture against a bad Arizona team. Couture had a nice night the first time they played. I think he goes even better tonight, and that pays off well, too. On the wings, I'm going to put another shark into play, Joe Pavelski. Always gets shots on goal, and lots of them, and I figure he could have a field day. Most expensive forward in the mix here at $7,200 for me. And uh, I'm going to agree with you on James Van Riemsdyk. In the last few weeks, we've agreed on one player in the mix. This is the guy for me. He had an 11-shot game recently, as well as the regular scoring streak that we've... The nice scoring streak we've seen of him, from him of late. That line is humming, and I think they continue to do so tonight. 6000 a very attractive price point. With the New Jersey Devils, they make the trip to Long Island, and they got Kyle Palmieri in tow. He rounds out my offense. Top six guy for $5,400. I'll do that every time I can to fill in my offense. And uh, a leaf killer, uh, Alex Dean, rounds out my offense with him facing the Toronto club. $5,400, his price tag. Top six minutes, power play time. That's pretty good for, for that low cost. On defense, I've got a couple of guys who are veterans of the game, both playing well, uh, Ryan Ellis particularly uh, for Nashville now that he's back and healthy. I don't think uh, FanDuel's uh, showing him much love, but $4,800, I'll take that. And then Mike Green, I talked about how he's had a great first half. $4,800, his price tag, over 20 minutes a game, factoring into much of Detroit's offense. Good for me. And, of course, the Detroit lean continues in goal. Jimmy Howard's been really good uh, for the last couple of weeks. He had a bit of a blip with a four-spot Uh, against him last time out but I noticed also he's facing a ton of shots on goal if he wins and gets a lot of shots again from Dallas this could be a nice game score from him too what about the optimizer what's it got in store for us tonight AJ all right so the optimizer is going heavy golden Knights tonight uh, with a full-on four-player stack I'll break that down as we go position to position starts off with Austin Matthews 7700 I know Paul will be in f- favor of that content or uh, that uh, usage of, of that player, one of his favorites. Uh, and 7,700 isn't actually that expensive. Now, Kyle Turris for Nashville on that end, 4,900. Uh, I have questions about that that I'll get into in a bit. It likes James Neal tonight. The optimizer, uh, not concerned about that day to day designation. He's 7,000 against Nashville. Wayne Simmons for Philadelphia, 5,800, a discount price for a guy that's produced for much of the season, although slumping a little bit lately. Mitch Marner, 
on that third line for Toronto that we talked about, 5,300. And then Alex Tuke uh, for 4,300. He's third line, but does get second power play looks. Uh, so that's the second of our Golden Knights. Defensively, Brett Burns paying up big. The optimizer is 7,400. That matchup with Arizona should work well for him. Shea Theodore on the other end, who Paul uh, highlighted earlier, 4,300. And then the optimizer in goal is going to use Marc-Andre Fleury for 8,300. Now, this is why I don't like the fact that it's using Kyle Turris. You've got one of your centers going up against your netminder. So for me, if I'm using the optimizer right now, I'd exclude Kyle Terrace from that and run it again and, and see what it spits out for me. So that's what the optimizer has. I do want to quickly point out FanDuel has one of their labs contest tonight. NHL captain, uh, you get to pick one forward or one player forward or defenseman who gets double points as the captains. And then you also get to slot in uh, a couple additional spots, no goaltender in this contest. So an interesting one, I'll tweet out my lineup later along with perhaps an invite. If anybody wants to join me in that contest. So I wanted to just point out that FanDuel labs contest as they try out new things. Yeah, that's going to be worth a good look too. And we'll see what they have in store for the baseball season, which is just around the corner too. I'm sure that, uh, that that'll be a factor down the road. We also remind our listeners, don't forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday, where we'll continue to cover all four major North American sports all year round in our DFS pod sequence, where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. Uh, now it's time to get into the stud of the week. And uh, AJ, a nod to a guy that you really, really like, and I did when he was in Toronto too, this Phil Kessel. He leads the league in power play points, doesn't need a regular shift with Crosby or Malkin to succeed, in fact. And he's given uh, the rise to a third line with Shiri and Gunsel that stretches this lineup and really causes matchup headaches for the opposition. Phil needs to handle the pucks and is a centerpiece on that unit, obviously. And with the third line designation, of they avoid top checkers and deep pairings almost every night. But don't forget, this guy is doing a lot of damage on the special teams as well on the power play, leading the league in power play points, like I said. In his own way, sometimes vocal, sometimes with on-ice excellence, he's emerged as a team leader here. I would not have expected that a couple of years ago in Toronto. Yeah, it's got to be just, you know, an extra little twist of the knife to watch Phil Kessel lift the Stanley Cup twice after leaving Toronto and be performing so well. I do think uh, one of the biggest things I talked about when Kessel came over to the Penguins is the fact that even though he is producing at this clip, even though he has become a leader on the team, it's not his responsibility at the end of the day to get this team where they where they want to be. That still falls on Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So the pressure's off for him and he can just go out there and play. Now you talk about, he doesn't get regular shifts with Crosby and Malkin, but he does get about four minutes a game with them on the power play. Uh, that ice, that power play ice time is huge. Uh, and it's a good chunk, almost a third of the ice that he sees on a, on a nightly basis. So, um, I think that is really the, the no pressure he can just go out there and play. He does get to suit up with those guys with the man advantage, and it's all really working well for him. Uh, he was the third star of the week for the NHL, and he's our stud of the week here on PuckCast. 
Well, that wraps it up uh, for the podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJSholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. We hope you've enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical information from around the NHL. And we get together next week on the next episode of podcast so that you get all the latest news and our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy contest. I've worked up a sweat here on the Gulf Coast, AJ. <laughs> so long everybody. <laughs>